my wife went through a very bad postnatal and I had all the material things and it didn't make a difference. And that was a life-changing event for all of us because we had the fancy house, the fancy cars, the, the nice neighbourhood. We had everything that looked perfect on the outside. But having that hit our life, we both realised this is not what success is. Welcome to the Rise Podcast. Rise above your fears, rise above your challenges, rise above the unexpected. You have come here today to listen to leaders and everyday people from around the world talk on health, love, life, spirituality, business and the planet. By listening to stories of others transcending their challenges, it expands your knowing to see and hear that you have the capacity to access the same resources and internal energy so you can rise into a state that will serve you abundance, flow and harmony. I am your host, Amy Redans. Together, let's find a new way to get things done. Together, let's find a new way to be. Together, let's rise. On today's episode, we are talking to Chandi Mahanama. He has co-founded one of Australia's largest private dental organisations, the Australasian Dental Group. The company grosses multiple eight figures a year, with over 20 practices across Australia and hundreds of staff in the organisation. We discuss how he has managed the growing pains within his business journey, and not only what has contributed to his success, but how his definition of success has changed over the years. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome everyone to the Rise podcast. I'm super excited today to have our special guest, Chandi Mahanama. So yeah, so welcome to the show, Chandi. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. So I'd love for you to start off and share with us, who are you and yeah, what do you do? Well, I guess by trade, I'm a dentist and um, we created a group and it grew quite quickly and we ended up with a large group of dental practices all around Australia. So we run a pretty decent, small to medium-sized dental group throughout. And how many practices are you currently operating? About 20 practices. 20 so, practices. yeah, some are amalgamated. Some were multiple practices put into one to have bigger practices as well. I know a bit of your background story. We're yeah. also friends and we went to university together. So I've um, yes. seen a bit of your journey over the years. I guess reaching this point of where you are at now has been a journey. And so yes. can you tell us what did that journey look like? Uh, not a straight line, definitely. A uh, lot of ups, a lot of downs, a uh, lot of self-doubt. But luckily, I have uh, good partners as well. So I think once we got a bit of momentum, it started kicking off. But it started off basically with a single practice initially, pretty much straight out of uh, dental school. I worked for someone else for about six months and then just got in the car and drove up north um, on the East Coast border and bought a practice. Oh, and then you just at the kicked time? off to that. 27, 28. Okay. Okay. 28. Yeah. Was this your first business or was this the start of your current business? Well, I guess it's, it was the first practice we bought. Okay. So I never had visualized a whole group at that stage, but mm-hmm. um, I just wanted to 
dental practice and go from there. Mm-hmm. And then I met my business partner just before that. I went and worked for a dentist and I worked about three or four months and we both realized that we had an energy that really clicked. And he knew straight away oh, that, you know, I'll, I'm not going to be working for him, but, he, you know, we were happy to work together. And we literally started our business partnership right then. And I believe there's a story of how the business model all came to be. What did you guys do to kind of come up with the idea? Um, I guess we'd seen that dentistry was very, you know, like a cottage industry and everyone had their one practice and it was a bit isolating. And uh, we had seen overseas as well that there was, you know, aggregations of practices together, but it hadn't really happened in Australia too much. There was groups, but they were mainly owned by health funds or banks and things like that. So we had seen the aggregation of, I guess, pharmacies and vet clinics and wanted to do something similar in dentistry. And can you tell me, because I know that before you started up this entity, you had started up previous businesses and yeah. they didn't go to plan. So can, no. you, tell, can you tell me what happened there <laughs> and what, I guess, learnings did you get from whatever happened with those entities to bring into this business? Well, I guess growing up, I, I grew up with my older brother's very entrepreneurial and I got to see him do a lot of businesses and we were always around that's so my older brother did a video store as I was going through uni and I saw him try to create like a, a plan, you know, like a, a different kind of video store. This is before internet and all that came in before and destroyed Netflix. it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I was, um, it was enjoyable to see all these different, you know, him give it a go with the video store and seeing what you got to put in, how it failed and moving on to the next business. So I got a lot of inspiration from watching my older brother try many different businesses um, of which he would always try and get the family involved. So it was definitely an eye opener. And then when I did my first dental practice, we went to partnership with, wouldn't say the wrong person, but maybe the wrong person for me. And that ended up very badly and almost sort of took away that wanting to have a business again at that point. But thankfully, because of that, everything happened. So what we thought was the lowest point in our life and me and my wife, Namita, were ready to move back to Sydney. We thought we had this why not moment after that. And because of that, we started really scaling up. So we had nothing to lose. So I'm very grateful for that really bad experience we had with a, with a business partner that um, ended very sourly on our first practice. Mm-hmm. And so talk to us, I guess, through that hardship, through that hard times, because I know there are a few of our listeners that, you know, are going through their own problems. So how long did it take for you to come out of that period? And was there someone or was there information that you kind of hung on to that was like, this is inspiring me that I need to kind of step up and do the next thing? Or is it just internal? I I mean, you know, my wife really well and, uh, she wasn't going to have me moping around in the corner in any way <laughs> at all. So she said, come on, you can, you can do it. And what's meant to be is meant to be. And now really go for it. And I remember we had gone to mediation with lawyers and everything with that business partner. 
And we just started buying businesses literally two, three months straight after that. So yeah, I think it was definitely my wife that um, made me go, don't worry about it and just carry on. And found and that. That's found courageous. Because that. yeah, yeah yes. it, it takes courage to do that. Like a lot of people would have been feeling afraid and fearful that yeah. something was going to happen again. Yeah, but you know, like we look back on it and uh, we're so grateful for that time. It's probably the most fun time as well, now looking back, that, yeah, it seems in- insignificant, but it was nothing would have happened if we hadn't gone to that bad time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just taking the risk and, and jumping in. Yeah, well, we felt we had no risk because we felt like we had nothing to lose at that point. And me and my business partner, we've been business partners the whole time now, is we always felt when we're young enough, we should just go for it because we have absolutely nothing to lose. What's the worst that can really happen? Go live with the parents, maybe. <laughs> so now that you have things to lose, yes. What does that look like when you hit a challenge? It's a bit different because I feel you got to bank a little bit away so that the family will be okay, and then the rest of it you still gamble away. So I thought my risk appetite would, you know, I'd be more averse to risk but it's actually increased the other way somehow. So now we've gone into investing in other businesses. So what I thought would have been, yeah, I thought the kids would have taken away from that. They've made us uh, give it more hungry appetite. Mm, Interesting. Do you feel like that's your personality? Yes, I think it's always been like that. And it took a long time for, I think, well, my wife to understand that because it really is a team effort, you know, and once you saw there was some kind of success in having that mindset, she became fully trusting of it. And um, I actually think she, she used to be very risk adverse. And I think she actually is more drawn towards risk than I am now, which is, you know, it's very interesting that she's usually the one pushing me towards opportunities and, and going down that way. Same with my business partner's wife as well. So it's, it really feels like it's a team effort that have the appetites grown a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And speaking of team effort, I love how you have set up your like financial relationship with your business partner and yeah. your ethos that you have created around everything is shared financially. I have yeah. never heard of that before and I mm. um, love it. So can you share with us what that looks like and how you feel that has added to the success of the business? Yeah, like I think, you know, the partnerships can make or break anything and it's just like a marriage. And so we looked at, all right, where do most partnerships go wrong? And it's usually, you know, if one makes more money than the other, if one is not putting as much effort and and it goes down that path. So we decided a decade ago that when we, if we want to buy a car, we both buy a car. If we want to buy a watch, we both get it. So we would split everything evenly, you know, and that way we always felt like we were achieving things together and um, coming down to even housing and hopefully, you know, we could continue that way for many years to come. Mm -hmm. And have there been any issues with that situation? Because so even your investment opportunities in either side, do you you split? Yeah. 
halfway. Foot. So even investments outside of our um, core business, we do 50-50 on everything. So even opportunities that come to myself, I've brought him in. Opportunities that he's got, he's brought me in and we, we don't invest without the other one. Because if we feel like, you know, our, our time and wealth and everything we have should be divided equally. It's amazing. It, you have a yeah. second wife. Yes, absolutely. Well, he's very similar to my wife. Not as good looking, but <laughs> they do joke about that they're very similar. <laughs> and his wife is very similar to me. So it's very, uh, ah, I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would want to do all your astrology and numerology and see what's yeah. happening on here. <laughs> but yeah, we are very... Um, odd pairing i'd say like uh, we knew each other in uni but we're never friends or anything like that and but yeah it's it's been it's been good working with him and we we i enjoy seeing his success as much as he enjoys me achieving anything as well yeah it's, yeah. yeah it's uh, incredible and i feel very unique as well to have yeah, within a, a business structure so yeah very lucky so can yeah. you talk to me through COVID and the challenges you had during COVID and how you tackled that mindset wise. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I think it's when COVID first hit, we were in Perth at that time. And um, Perth has been, all went to crazy lockdown straight away. And um, we didn't know what was happening. And then we realized when we sat there and did the figures, hey, we're not going to survive this for too long. You know, there was no government support or anything initially. So we'd worked out, we had a timeline of six weeks to eight weeks before the whole entity, the whole business would go down. And I thought that would scare me, but it didn't. I sort of, when I'm put into a, a tough situation like that, I sort of go into like combat mode where I almost become numb, but it took time to work out how we were going to do it. And we almost accepted that, this is the one thing that we can't control that if we go down because of this, well, we go down. But we basically spent every night in head office sitting there working out plans of how we're going to try and stretch this out and survive for longer. And our biggest fear was all our staff because I guess we're not in this kind of business unless you're willing to lose everything. And we still have that mindset, but we employ a lot of people and we were really worried throughout the whole time about all these people and their families. And we, we felt that burden. So I think if anything broke us down, it was about three to four weeks into COVID, realizing that, my goodness, we're potentially only a couple of weeks away from, you know, putting losing 175 jobs or so. And I think that's what scared us. Yeah, I feel that... Yeah. Um a burden for so many business owners that like yeah. a lot of employees don't realize is you feel the responsibility for them and then all of their families mm. as well. And it, yeah, it's quite heavy. Absolutely, It's very heavy. And I was just amazed. Like we would have zoom meetings at that time, which wasn't a normal thing, but um, we had to adapt very quickly. And the staff were unbelievable. We had people just saying, look, I just, because we were allowed to dentistry as an emergency clinic, you know, so but it still meant that gross productions were 90% to 95% down, which means you can't really afford to have all the staff on. But there was staff willing to just work for free 
It was, and a lot of them. Wow. Yeah. And not that we asked them and we still paid them, but it was just amazing that there was a lot out there that were willing to do that. And as a group, everyone really stepped up. And um, a couple of managers just worked day in, day night. And, you know, we'd, we'd be there with them in head office and they got, they somehow navigated throughout that whole period. And then I think what really saved us as much as we did all we could was um, JobKeeper. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it was, it was really good timing. And I think a lot of businesses are very grateful for it. The ones that definitely needed it, you know, yeah. and it took that burden off straight away. And then at least you felt the staff were going to be okay. The anxiety of whether the business was going to be okay was still unknown. Um, but at least you felt at least the staff are going to, you know, we can afford to pay the staff and have them on a decent wage throughout all this because we had no idea how long it was going to go for. Yeah. Okay. Can you share with us? I know that you had an upbringing that was influenced by um, Buddhism. Can you share yeah. how that has supported you in your business journey and in your um, marriage or your life or in general? Yes. <laughs> I like to think I'm a nice guy. <laughs> I, I believe in karma, definitely. So I, don't, I think, you know, you can't, uh, whatever you put out will come back to you and in a good way and a bad way. And it may not be instant. It might not even be in this lifetime, who knows, but I believe there is a reaction to everything we do. So if you just treat people correctly and as nice as you can, then it's definitely the best thing for your business as well. And I think if you can get yourself mentally in a very good place before you even interact with any staff, um, that's all going to create a positive outcome for everyone and a, and a longevity of the business as well. Yeah. Cause yeah, it's the people that tend to always be the challenges within business, right? Oh, yes. I mean, uh, we've had our fair challenges. You know, sometimes you hire the wrong people and we've got a good balance now throughout, well, for many years now. But the people at the top of our organisation just run it amazingly, which has allowed us to step back quite a bit. And they all have the same kind of ethos, all different cultures, religions, but the spirituality or the mindset is the same. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a very positive culture and we're proud of that. Very proud. And how many years do you think it took to get to that stage, just to reach that smooth kind of state within yeah. the business? At least three to four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the first two were absolute mayhem. Also, we were making a massive loss for about two to three years, which was difficult. And I think when the business is going not, you know, productivity is not good, then the staff feel that burden as well. But once a business started doing well, the the culture started improving as well at the same time. Yeah. And then it got to a stage, thankfully well before COVID, where it was at a positive place. Because I felt if you had started a new business just before COVID, it would be in a very tricky time. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. So how, how do you feel egos have played within your business and how have you na- yeah. navigated the space of egos? Yeah, I think egos kill business and relationships and everything. And it's it's a hard one to navigate around because we there's so many, especially in the world of dentistry. Mm, it's um, 
Yes, because, you know, I think anything where it's quite specialised, you do need a bit of the ego in order to really knuckle down. But sometimes managing that many egos is a bit difficult. But I think what we're trying to do is from the top and the management for everyone to let go of their egos and realise that we're all just a piece in the puzzle. And that in management, which is probably about 10, 15 people all up, there's no big hierarchy there as such. And it's, it's like a round table discussion. And that I think gets rid of the ego quite a bit throughout an organization. And if, if it feels like that at, on the management level, it sort of spreads throughout the whole culture. That yeah. makes complete sense. Yeah. But, you know, ego has got in the way in the past. It's my ego, my business partner's ego. It took years to realize that either my ego or his ego is not serving either of us or the group or our relationships. So, you know, it's not always been good. We definitely had our little uh, fights, but we get over them very quick, just like a married couple, you know, yeah. and we're always happy to be honest. And I also feel with our staff, they're happy to be honest with us as well, which, you know, we're proud of. Yeah. So I would love for you to share what was your definition of success as a 20 year old versus your definition of success now as um, in your thirties? <laughs> Late thirties. <laughs> I think as a 20 year old, it was money. Definitely. It was big house, fancy cars, you know, and it was about a figure and I was able to put a figure on it, you know, but it completely changed now. So now it's all about mentally what you feel like. Freedom, it's probably the biggest one. So feeling like you don't have to be in the office every day and that you have good people running the organisation. And yeah, just time. I think that's, that's my definition of success now. Mm-hmm. And what, yeah. what do you feel changed that? What changed it from materialistic things to yeah. freedom and time? Well, I think getting all those materialistic things that you thought you wanted, you know, you have to go, go through that, I think, and then realise that on the other side of that is uh, it's not much happiness, especially my wife went through a very bad postnatal and I had all the material things and it didn't make a difference. And that was a life-changing event for all of us because we had the fancy house, the fancy cars, the, the nice neighbourhood. We had everything that looked perfect on the outside. But having that hit our life, we both realised this is not what success is. Just mentally being happy uh, and present is what success is. So... We're, we're grateful for what happened and it, it shook things up and we haven't been the same people since. We're much happier, we're very content and very present in life each day, I think. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. So can you give our audience your takeaways on what you feel are the top three ways um, mm-hmm. that you can rise above your challenges in business? In business, okay, top three. One is if you're going to partner with someone, make sure that you have the same vision and ethics and 
ambitions and work out like you're both willing to lose the same amount. You're both willing to gain the same amount. You have to be so in line with each other that the money aspect is the last aspect. Everything else is first. I think that's that's probably my biggest um, thing for anyone going into partnership. Number two is believe in yourself blindly. So even when you're failing, still believe that you're doing a good job and just remain optimistic. My always calls me optimistic, even if, you know, it could be business could be doing really bad in that six month period, but you could still have a smile on your face and rock up every day. So I'd say, yeah, stay optimistic. And number three is just filter out any noise. So don't go talking to the wrong people about your ambitions because their negativity might bring you down. So make sure you surround yourself with um, people that want to do better as well. And you will find that anyone who wants to do better in their own life will be very happy for you want to do the same thing. And uh, I think that's why I have a lot less friends than I used to. And um, <laughs> <laughs> But the ones that we surround ourselves with are very, yeah, forward thinking, positive, present people. And it's, it's actually a, a joy and it doesn't take away your energy. It just it gives you much more and, and knocking on the door of 40 compared to when we first started, I've realized you have a choice in where you want to spend your time. So spend it with the right people. Love it. Perfect takeaways. Thank you. Thank you you for your time today. (laughs) 